Hold on. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. You hid in glory in creation. powerful name it 
May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. This is God's word to God's people. So we're on this sermon series of talking about stages of faith, of markers that we might see for ourselves as we're growing into fully invested disciples of Christ. You recall in Lent we talked about what that might look like, what a fully invested disciple of Christ might look like, and what things we might do that would help us to grow, right? Acts of piety and acts of mercy individual and public piety, individual and, and social acts of mercy. These were ways by which we would practice, develop, strengthen our faith, moving us forward into being more and more deeply invested in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So that's what we have been talking about. And now we're stepping back and, and looking at how it might be that we would move in that progression and and how it might be that we would notice some benchmarks that would, that would let us know that we're going the way we want to go, some benchmarks that would help us to understand what challenges maybe we're facing of moving from one stage to another. We began by talking about life on the shore. Uh, we've been using this graphic from a book by Glover and Lavi where they're using the, uh, the metaphor of the, of the beach and the ocean 
for our movement deeper and deeper in faith, the further out into the ocean we get. And so that first figure on, on your insert had to do with the initial stage of faith, which was life on a beach. This is where a person is awakened to the possibility of God and starts to wonder about it, yet they, they know for sure that churches are bankrupt and there's no way they're going to get a God experience in church. They're confident of that. But then one of their buddies comes up to them and says, hey, why don't you come to my church? It's a little different. And, and because the person trusts his or her friend, puts the cynicism aside and comes to church. And lo and behold, in that church experience, this person has an experience of God, a sense that there is something beyond him or her that maybe he or she might be wise to think about and pay attention to. So goes home and is mulling this over because this doesn't fit into his or her script about how life might be and, and is thinking, well, maybe I didn't quite get it right or maybe, maybe there is something interesting about this place. So decides to go back and stage two is going back and testing the waters. You, the image of the person uh, dipping their toes into the ocean. Is it safe? Is it, is it warm? Is it like it's supposed to be? And so whereas worship worked the trick against the cynicism, good worship in the first visit, it's uh, solid, authentic hospitality that works the good of the second and the third and the fourth visit of the new person because that person comes in feeling like they are wearing their sensitivity on their sleeve. See, I'm a newcomer and I'm really lost at sea and I, and I want to feel like I'm loved by God, but I, you know, they feel that that's the kind of message they're just emanating. Very self-conscious, very sensitive, easily dissuaded from coming. And, and so you good folk, embrace them, make the person feel welcome genuinely cared for. And the person starts to think, well, the waters really are kind of warm. This is nice. I, I kind of like this. They really don't know me very much. They don't know what a, a, a something I am. <laughs> Yet they still seem to be extending a caring to me. And that touches people. It actually really touches people more than you know if you think about it. And so now the person has come to church a number of times in a row and is really enjoying the sense of discovering that there is a God and, and wondering how all this works, this God stuff, starting to see how worship is organized and is starting to build relationships and friendships. And so the person then goes into stage three, which is taking a, a large step further into the water. So it's not just the toes, but now the person is invested to the point of up to their knees or their thighs or something. And the water is surging around them. And, and the person is aware that there is water now surging around them. And in, and in our analogy, we take it to the church life that the person now is becoming aware that there are patterns of prayer, that there's an order of worship that has some kind of spiritual dynamic to it, that the pastor talks about grace and mercy, and these are terms that maybe he wants to figure out their meaning. Um, there's a Trinitarian prayer, and that really doesn't make sense. Three is one, and one is three. And so the person at this stage starts to dig in and find out 
the ways and the whys of the religious community. In stage three, the, the person has, has built a, a certain amount of, of confidence in the water being warm that now the person is desirous of learning about these waves, learning about what it means to, to be in a body of Christ and to be um, thinking of him or herself as a person of faith through the revelation of Christ Jesus. The person wants to belong. The person doesn't want to serve on the trustees. The person doesn't want to teach the two-year-olds. They might say yes to you when you ask them that, but you're not helping them. You're really kind of getting in the way because what the person wants to do is get engaged with God and the other humans around them and not be about the business of maintaining the church. That will come later. At this stage, the person is looking to grow. And that's stage three. So the person is going to Steve's class and learning about weird church or is going to a Lenten study and, and realizing Hamilton's sense of the prayer life or this or that. And the person is growing in understanding these different aspects of, of what it means to, to be a Christian, to connect to God through this, through this system. <coughs> then an interesting dynamic emerges. The person either says, eh, this is good enough. I kind of like it like this. Or the person goes, is this all there is? Is there, is there more to the faith? Is there more to the faith than just these few things that I've been doing, this, this class of modern contemporary religious thinking or Sunday morning worship? And the person starts to wonder that perhaps there is another whole layer to the faith than what they've been experiencing so far. And that is the beginning and, well, that is stage four, that sense of disconcertedness and then what you do about it is the fourth stage of the stages of faith. I think our scripture today is a, is a perfect um, connector for us of the biblical witness to, to what we're talking about in the life of the church, our stages of faith. Here we have Nicodemus. He's a Sanhedrin. Nicodemus, to be a Sanhedrin, is a heavy hitter in the religious community of that day. He's not just a self-righteous guy wandering around the hillsides scolding other people about how to be a better Pharisee and obey the rules right. He's also into the nuances of the, of the larger tradition and the power-broking of society. You know, he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to deal with the Roman Empire and the traditions of the church and try to hold things together so we can still be somewhat independent and somewhat religious. He's trying to hold it together. He hears something in Jesus that unsettles him from his pattern. <clears throat> and just to know how different 
what Jesus is saying is from what the Sanhedrin would normally think about. He sneaks out at night so no one will see him go to talk to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he, and he asks about this gnawing inside of him that there ought to be something more going on than just what I'm doing. And Jesus, Jesus hears that and, and Jesus says, well, it, there's something about being born of the Spirit, being born again that you've been missing with what you've been doing. And he starts to argue with Jesus like most of us do. And Jesus prevails with him to think about how there might be more. Jesus doesn't say, you've got this doctrine wrong. Let me correct you on this understanding of the precepts of the Mosaic Covenant. He doesn't say, Nick, your pattern of worship at the temple is just a little off. You're not sacrificing the sheep in the right way, in the right sequence. Do that. He says neither of those things, which I'm making fun of because that's typically what people who are stuck at three get stuck over, which is right thinking and right behavior, right? And Nicodemus is thinking there's something more, and Jesus is saying, yeah, there is, buddy. And it's the whole spirit of God that is animating this universe and animating you, and you need to give yourself over to it and see what happens. says that 90% of us are at this seam between stage three and stage four. We're accomplished in the patterns and the basic thinking of faith and we think there's something maybe deeper calling to us but for some reasons we hold that out there. Hold that beyond beyond us still, keep it at a, an arm's length, 90%. So perhaps many of us, if statistics hold true, are right here at this seam that we're talking about this morning when we think of ourselves and, and our pilgrimage. We've learned how to swim, we've learned about the ways of the ocean, we've grown in our faith, we've deepened in significant relationships with one another, we feel loved, we try to experience love, we, we stumble out some kind of definition of the Trinity, we've got our handles on that, we talk about provenient grace, lots of people at the water cooler don't know about that, we know about that, we talk about that, we, we have a couple different types of prayers that we engage in, you know. Being at this scene between stage three and four, if I can work this metaphor a little bit more is like going a few steps further into the ocean where you can actually bob. But you can stick your toe down and touch, touch the bottom, right? If, if you're, if you're, you can kind of bob 
as the, as the things come in and out, but then you can stick your toe down and go, all right, no, I'm still safe. I'm still safe. There's still bottom there. I still feel secure. This is kind of that place where we're, where we're thinking and we're holding back a bit. We're tempted to head out, but we're a little scared about being set adrift. Well, you have had that experience, haven't you? I know that I have had that, where you go out to the ocean and you go in far enough and, and maybe the thing is that you've been swimming for eight hours and now you're kind of tired and you think you're at a place where you can touch bottom and you put your toe down the to touch bottom and for some reason it's been carved out there and the bottom is not there and what do you do? you get kind of like, you're you're uncertain now. You're not having a confidence about things because you're not able to have that comfort, that security of the bottom. We, If we're ocean kind of people, we kind of know what his diagram is talking about. We know that feeling of where we've come off the bottom and yet we're maybe not wanting to come off the bottom. And we come to a decision point at this place, a decision point of what are you going to do? Are you going to beat it to the shore where you can get your feet down and feel secure again and get away from the anxiety of bobbing in the water where you can't touch the ground? Or are you going to stay out there and experience the free flow of being out in the ocean where you're not touching the ground and you're just moving around by what? By the will and the whim of the waves. The spirit goes, blows where it's going to blow. And so when we get up the chutzpah about ourselves and what might be in our future, we move off that secure ground out into the waves. And we trust that we've learned enough about our theology and spiritual disciplines to not drown. But they're tested because now we're out in the waves and our feet are not at the secure place. And all of that stuff, all of what you've been learning through worship, of connecting to the spirit and having that be alive in you, all of what you've been in the Bible studies and spiritual growth groups, all of those things now come into play for you not drowning and being open to where that spirit might take you. The interesting thing about the the difference about stage three and stage four is that stage three really is about you. It's all about you. And stage four is about God. Stage three is about our growth and, and our learning and our maturing We do it in reference to what it might mean to us, how it might meet our needs, how it might fulfill our desires. 
We've been looking for a place that will love me, that will have this experience of, of knowing a merciful God. And it's about experiencing that mercy and experiencing this accepting love, unconditional love. And I am so thankful to be loved by God and loved by you is stage three. And I want to I want to maximize those things for me because this is a good place. I'm not so loved at the office or at the ball field. And sometimes it feels that way at home. I'm not loved like that either. Stage three, though very good, is, is about us. Stage four, though, is about God. It's not, what, it's not what I need. It's what does God want or need from me. It's not about what do I want to do. It's rather what is God possibly going to want to do through me. It's about God's will be done, not my will be done. That's where we're moving towards in stage four. The choice before us of launching out into the deep, throwing ourselves out towards the waves to be in the movement of the spirit. Into the deep with God on God's terms. You don't set the terms of those waves and those swells, do you, when you're out there? They're just coming at you. You're working with what's presented to you. And that's stage four. God's terms, God's purposes. Now, it's not an easy decision. There's a lot of barriers that get in the way that we cling to that, that stop us from going into four, and that's probably why, or through four towards five, that's probably why 90% of us are, are at this scene, because we have some fears about what's going to happen out there. I think I'm going to be all right. I've been taught that I'm going to be all right. I've been feeling that God's beckoning me out there as a loving act to me, not to betray me and drown me. Yet uh, I feel better if I can touch the ground, if I'm secure to my old patterns. Maybe they're not all that healthy, but if I can, my old patterns feel right. We got a new carpet in the sanctuary. God help us. It's a change. I warn you, it's a change. You're going to walk in there. It's not purple. It's different. Is God still there? Changes like this seem silly in the context of being called into a missionary ministry because you've got it in your head that God wants you to do something other than be a broker. And all of a sudden, you've been praying a lot, and you think, you got to be kidding. You want me to go to Kenya? 
this is just a carpet. And, and think how resistant some feelings are about that change of pattern. And what might it be ushering in as other changes? It might just be the beginning of a bunch of changes. And that's where we really start to get fearful because one change we can maybe handle, one large wave we can maybe handle, but I'm making fun, right? But you get the point. There's, there's fears, there's fears that can stop us. There's, there's a feeling of, of self-confusion that we sometimes have um, that we really are not gonna measure up. God's gonna put us out there to doing something and we're just gonna fall on our face because we really are crumb bums. We really are not the children of God that God tries to tell us we are. And so of course, once we risk with God, of course we are gonna fail and it's gonna be revealed that we really are not who we are pretending to be as Christians. And so safer not to do that because we're gonna fail that test, but that's a self-confusion. That's where you're defeating yourself and you're not listening to God's words about you being a beloved child of God. Don't let your fears or don't let your confusion about your worthiness stop you from getting off the bottom of the ocean. You are worthy. God is capable of using even somebody like me. God knows God can use you. And then there's a lack of direction. You know, some of us really um, still want to have the big maps that you can unfold in the car so you know exactly where you're going because the, the GPS gives you an inch and, and you're wondering, well, what's after that next inch? What happens then? I don't see what's there. And so you kind of scroll, and then all of a sudden, it, you're, you're lost. The GPS has got you in Nebraska, and God knows where you are now. You, you like the big map that you can open up on the front seat. It takes up half the seat, and you can see really where you're going. Exactly. That's what you need, right? Because you're not sure, what does this mean if God says go left? Then what's going to happen? And then you go right, and you go left, and you go right, and before you know it, you're 100 yards into the ocean. Then what's going to happen? What's God going to ask of me then? I don't know. Do I want to risk my life with God? Well, when you say it that way, you say yes, right? And that's what's being asked of you. Shall I risk my life with God? Yeah, of course. Who else can you trust to? So we work to get over these barriers. I am here to help you get over these barriers. Your lay leadership, the people who are mature in their faith, we are all together trying to find our way forward through these stages. And we're all here for one another to buck one another up, to help to motivate, to help to disturb, to help to comfort, to help to envision where your future might be going. This is our ministry with one another and to those who stumble in on somebody's elbow trying to find a place where God might be alive and they might be accepted. This is our ministry within and beyond the, the body of Christ.
Now, I tend to think that a new carpet is not the end of the road for us. I think maybe it's a little bit of a, an experiment. It's a little bit of a, well, if we can change our carpet, maybe there's other things that we can develop and blossom and move into that we haven't yet entertained the thought of. You know, and just as we say to the 20-year-old, God's got plans for you. We say that to the 40-year-olds, you know, there's still a future. We say that to the, and we say it to the 80-year-olds. We say that, you know what? God's not done with us yet. There is still a more of blessed connection and becoming when we get our feet off the bottom of the ocean and start swimming with the spirit. Let's do that. Let's have some fun and get wet. Amen.